Good morning, South Crest. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so very grateful that you're here this morning. I'm thankful to be standing up here uh, wrapping up our sermon series, <clears throat> excuse me, called Loving God and Loving Others. This has been a really fun sermon series. And I want to kind of close this thing out with this idea of we can love God and we love others by serving people. That's the whole point of today's message, and uh, super excited. Before we get into this, I want to welcome our LaGrange campus. We love you guys, and uh, anybody watching on Facebook Live, I want to welcome you as well. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Uh, We're glad that you're with us today. Love God, love others. This is the greatest commandment uh, that has ever been given. What's the most important thing that we can do with our lives while we're here on the earth is to do those two very simple, notice I said, I didn't say easy, I said simple things uh, with our lives. It's what's most important. And this series has been great. Caleb and Cameron and Pete, they've all shared a great message. And so I want to wrap it up with this idea of serving, serving, okay, being a servant. And so if you would, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22 is where we're going to be. Um, so as you're turning there, I, I want to make this point with you. Is it, life is incredible, is it not? Life is amazing. And, and listen, I know we deal with our issues and sickness and stuff like that, but life is tremendous. Uh, the technology, the comforts, uh, the convenience of, of what has been developed over the past 100 years, 50 years, 20 years, even the past 10 years is un. Believable. I was thinking about the other day the stuff that's just literally at our disposal, the things we can actually search online and watch and do and create. It's, it's unbelievable. I was thinking about, uh, um, I'm sorry, YouTube the other day. And uh, it's only been in existence for 13 years. It's kind of crazy. You can watch anybody do anything if you want. You don't have to go read about it anymore. You don't have to go have, you don't have to call an appliance repair guy. You can actually watch somebody repair your dishwasher on YouTube and follow it yourself. It's unbelievable. Life is incredible. Opportunity, convenience. I I Google searched, how long would it take an individual to watch every YouTube video that is in existence, right? Some people said 30,000 years. They were trying to calculate the hours, but I think the most accurate answer was infinity. You can't because when you finish a four-minute video, there's X amount of hundreds of other hours worth of videos being added all the time. Think about the stuff that Apple and Google have come out with here just recently. I know FaceTime, I know that's been here for a while and we almost take it for granted, but we can have a face-to-face interaction with a family member on the other side of the globe. We have robots vacuuming our houses. Anybody got a robot vacuum cleaner? This is, this is ridiculous, right? Many of you probably can set you the temperature of your house from your phone in here. Anybody in here can automation? Yeah, a lot of us do that. Yeah, it's okay. That's awesome. I love it. I'm not knocking technology. I think it's tremendous. Um, Google Glasses. I was, I was reading an article on this too. And uh, they have like BMW technicians, engineers. They wear glasses as they are assembling cars and the information that Google Glass is collecting is throwing it up to the cloud, and it's building reports, and it's making them create cars faster just by simply what they are looking at. Our careers, our phones, everything, it's just a tremendous life, right? It's amazing. But I wonder, does the world run the risk of becoming less connected with what's most important? 
as life gets more convenient and as life gets more entertaining, as a Christian, are we distracted from what matters the most? I don't have time to get into it, but I love the, the animated movie WALL-E, right? It's like we have summed down the human existence to eating, sleeping, and being entertained and like no connection. And, and, and I'm not here to bash technology. I have it, I love it, and I use it. And I'm looking forward to what's coming next. But when it comes to loving God and loving people... Sometimes our conveniences and, and our entertainment and the things that we like to do gets in the way of what's most important. Many times I make the statement, man, I wish there were more hours in the day. I know all of us kind of make that statement, man, I just wish there were more hours in the day. I want to do more. I want to see more. I want to learn more. I want to achieve more. I want to go more places. But unfortunately, we know that our time is what we got 24 hours in a day. Our seconds turn into minutes, minutes into hours, hours into days, days into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, and here's our life. Boom. That's life. How well are we doing with the things that actually matter the most? We can't get more time. We can get more money. We can get more stuff. We can go more places, but time is the thing that we can't collect. So how well are we doing with loving God and loving others? The, the, the greatest commandment, the thing we should be about the most. How well are we doing with kingdom things, the eternally significant? How, how well are we doing with this stuff? My schedule. Listen, I'm not pointing my finger at y'all. I'm pointing it at me, okay? I'm preaching to me here. My schedule is so full. My, the stuff I want to do is so, it's so filled and I'm so busy. And sometimes I lay my head on the pillow at night and maybe you can attest to this. I lay my head on the pillow at night and think, did I do anything for somebody else today? Did I do one thing for another human being today that was in need? Man, sometimes I'm, I'm ashamed to say that answer is no, I didn't. I was too busy. I was too this. I had to do this. And I, you know, this, and I we're so busy. You know, I think that loving God and loving others sometimes doesn't get the weight that it deserves. So today, I kind of want to recalibrate us towards serving people. Uh, I, want, I want us to put others first today. I want us to put, put, you know, maybe put down our conveniences some so we can put other people and prefer other people. So Matthew uh, 22, this is the, uh, starting in verse 37, this is the greatest commandment, right? Jesus is getting questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're trying to, they're trying to stick it to him and just like really catch Jesus saying something that he shouldn't, and he's just dropping the mic every time. He's just giving the answer, and they're over there regrouping. They're like, okay, hold up. What are we going to say now? Okay, let's do it. All right, let's go. And so that's where we're at, greatest commandment. Hearing that Jesus, I'm going to back up, 34. Um, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, right? They're, they're in a huddle. What are we going to do? One of them, an expert in the law, said, I got an idea, tested him with this question, and the teacher said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the one I want to focus on here, the back half of this. Both of these, these commandments, the, the first and foremost is, is important. That's love God. And in the same breath, he's making the statement, and the second one is like it. And the second one carries the same kind of weight. It's that important. You see, you can't, they're almost interchangeable, interlinked together. You can't have one really without the, the other. It's almost the same conversation because we can't love God 
and not love other people. And if we love God, naturally, we will love people. How well are you doing at loving people? How well am I doing at loving people? Jesus uses the word here, neighbor. Neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to point this out. This word neighbor is not this this faceless mass of people. I know we use this term South Atlanta, right? That's not neighbor. That's not what he's saying here. He's not even referring to a family member, a close friend. He's not referring to to that. What he's using here, this word actually means an acquaintance. It means somebody that is physically close to you in the moment. Your neighbor is somebody that's in close proximity. That person you walk by down the street, if you're going to eat downtown Noonan or wherever you live, that person that you walk by, hey, how you doing? That's your neighbor. When you go and you sit down and, and, and sit down at lunch and you sit down next to somebody, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Great, nice to meet you. My name's Matt. That's my neighbor. Your neighbor almost changes wherever you go all the time. It's a matter of proximity. How well do we do with loving those that we are around? You see, God cares very deeply about how we treat other people. He cares about us intentionally putting others first above ourselves. And, and just to be honest, this might be one of the hardest parts of Christianity, if you think about it, because loving people costs me something. It costs my comfort, my time. It's inconvenient. It costs money. So you walk by, by somebody in need who needs something, you, you, and that you give it to them, you're like, well, that costs me something. I don't want to do that. It's difficult. It's very, very difficult. But you see, in John 13, 35, it says this. Jesus says, he's talking to his, he's talking to his disciples. He makes the statement, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if, if you love one another. You know how you can prove that you're a Christian? By loving people. Not how many times you come to church or how many verses you memorize or how many bumper stickers you have on the back of your car or how many scripture verses you have um, plastered all over your house. That has nothing to do with it. Jesus from his own mouth said, people will know you're a Christian if you love one another. Loving others is a big indicator if you truly love God. So let me ask the question again, how well are we doing with that? How well are we doing with that? Dorothy Day makes this statement. She was a a social activist back in, I think she passed away in 1980. She was a a Catholic, and she did a lot for those people in need, and and, uh, just a tremendous person. She made this statement right here. She says, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. When I read that for the first time, I've been chewing on that for about a month now. It's like, oh, phew. Because there's some people that you know, maybe I don't love. And so, oh, so wait, it's, it's, it's rated here. It's tiered. So if there's somebody that I don't love, well, that's about how much I love God. She, it's a reference to First John is what she's doing right there. Loving people is not easy. It costs us something. So I want to break, uh, break this down for a few moments here. Um, how do we love our neighbor? Really, the Lord is kind of turning the screws to Kathy and I, and really, you know, the Lord's in my face right now saying, Matt, how are you doing with this? What are, what are you going to do about this? And so I want to give you two points. I wish I had some more time uh, to share some more, some more of this, but this is going to be an abbreviated message because we got some pretty cool uh, news to share with you guys today, obviously. So y'all hang in there with me. Um, turn with me to 1 John 3. If you got your Bibles or you got your phones, turn with me to 1 John 3. 
The first point I want to make to you about how do we love our neighbor is this. We love not through our words, but through our actions, right? DC Talk sang a song about this many, many years ago. Love is a verb. We have to put it into action. You can't just say you love somebody. You have to prove it. Try that with your spouse, right? Just try to say it, right? It ain't working, y'all. It won't work. You have to prove your love through what you do. Okay, we love our neighbor, that person in close proximity to us, wherever we're at, by what we do. This is what 1 John 3 says, starting in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Okay, he's going to answer the question for us right here. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dang, John, punch me in the face with this. Whew, that's tough. Tell it like it is, man. Number, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We love with our actions what we do. Genuine love for other people. You want to love people? Lay your life down for them. Lay your comforts and your entertainment and your preferences and your time and your resources down for somebody else. That's what love is. I, I want to point this out to you. Verse, verse 16, John talks about we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and our sisters, right? This, this plural, right? The group. And then verse 17, he gets granular here and he gets it down to a person. And he says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister, Seize them, right? That goes back to Matthew 22. Your neighbor is who you're close to in close proximity to you. If you see a brother or a sister in need and you don't do anything for them, how can the love of God be in us? I didn't say this first service, but it's true. When we love and serve people, we put the real Jesus on display. We put Jesus on display when we serve people. He says, man, the greatest among you will be a servant. I didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? He's making this case all through his ministry about serving people. We don't necessarily tell people about, we don't show people Jesus by what we say, but by what we do. It's so very, very important. John gets practical. Brother, sister, who you see, brother and sister. Sometimes I've made the mistake. Maybe you've made the mistake too. Maybe you can admit it. Um, Maybe you have loved people in general, and that's been a hindrance to you for loving someone in particular. Maybe you've loved, Jesus loves the world, and we love the world, and we love people in Uzbekistan and all the way around the world. Yes, I love those people, but sometimes we will substitute that for loving somebody right in front of me. Don't do that. Be careful there. John is telling us, If you see somebody in need, serve them, give to them, love them, slow the moment down. Don't be so such in a hurry, run around where you can't do that. Serve them, love them. But Matt, I love I love God in my heart. Okay, like I love God in my heart, and I love people in my heart. You don't know my heart, Matt. I love them in my in my heart. Well, you're right. I don't I don't know your heart. I'm not in your head. Thank God. Um, And uh, you're not in my head either. So that's a good thing as well. But here's what the Bible teaches us in James. James teaches us that we prove what we believe by what we do, by the actions 
that we take. James 2, I'm going to read this to you. It'll be up on the screens. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and has no deeds? Action, right? Can such faith save them? Dang, James. Sheesh. Get another punch in the face here. Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, well, whoop de do that day, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's in my heart. I love Jesus in my heart. Okay. Verse 18. But everyone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is a God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. He kind of gets a little snarky right there. I love it. Verse number 20, you foolish person. Uh, Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Verse 24, so important. Underline it. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not faith alone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you you love him in your heart and you don't feel like you need to put it into action. The Bible teaches us that we must. We have to serve people. We have to prove it. We have to put it into action. Faith alone is not enough. It must accompany us, accompany, be accompanied with action. Excuse me. So we love others through serving them, through our action. Number two, this is the the, the last thing I kind of want to leave you with today. Man, if our schedules are so full, this I'm, again, I'm speaking to myself. If our schedule is so full and our, we're so tight on money and we're so tight on time, we can't serve people. So my encouragement to you and what the Lord is teaching me is to create margin to serve people. Create margin to serve people. You can't give what you've already spent. You can't tithe if it's all Take it up. You can't give it to somebody in need if you don't have it to give. If your schedule is completely full and there's absolutely no time and you're running crazy and you yourself are stressed out because of all that you have to do, you're doing too much. You are doing too much. I read a book a couple years ago called Essentialism, and it's a corporate book about getting being better at what you do and stuff. And uh, it's a great read. And uh, the whole book can be applied to your Christian faith, I believe, and it's this idea of a disciplined pursuit of less. Say no. Clear your, your calendar. Have time. Breathe. And in those moments, say, Lord, would you just put somebody in my path that I can serve? Would you create that moment for me? I'm, I'm pre- again, I'm preaching to myself here. My schedule's crazy. My schedule's busy. I'm just wondering if like, man, I'm just, I'm forfeiting the things that God tells me to, is telling me to do. Turn me to Galatians 6, and we'll close with this passage here. Galatians is an amazing book. I, I really hope we do a sermon series on it here coming up. Galatians is uh, this, it's um, a, a church way, way back then. It's jacked up, huh? 
kind of crazy. Churches back then are jacked up. Churches nowadays are jacked up. And churches are going to be jacked up until Jesus comes back. It's just we're human, and that's just how it's going to be. So, so uh, just get used to it. But Paul's trying to help, man. He's got people that are over here being, uh, you know, legalists and, like, turning the screws to people about stuff. And you've got people over here taking too much liberty. And, and, and Paul's like, hey, you're free. And, and, oh, but live life by the Spirit. And he's trying to bring balance. And, and it's such a cool book. Uh, verse uh, chapter 6, he wraps up the letter to this church and he talks about doing good to everyone, right? We know this very familiar passage, verse number 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, underline that, that word opportunity is important, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, which is the church, which is us. Paul's encouraging them. I don't, you know, don't have time to unpack this, but Paul is encouraging these Christians who are losing heart. They're, they're spiritually exhausted, man. They're just turning their wheels and turning their wheels and turning their wheels. And they don't feel, they're, they're running into obstacles, and they got cranky people over here being legalists, and they got people over here going crazy and doing whatever the heck they want. And, and they're just tired, and they're ready to throw the towel in. And Paul is saying, don't do that. Do not give up, because in due time, there's a harvest coming. What he's saying is, hey, you haven't seen the reward, you haven't seen the harvest yet, so resist the temptation of giving up now, because maybe you're tired. Do good. Continue to do good over and over and over. Verse 10 he makes this statement, therefore, as we have the opportunity. He's not saying, hey, if, if maybe on my calendar uh, in, in two months, my schedule's going to slow down on, a, on the second Saturday of August, uh, I'm going to be able to serve for 30 minutes, somebody in need, I've got it blocked. That's not what he's saying. The word opportunity here is kairos, which happens to mean a season. It can be better translated as a season of time, a God-appointed time. And what Paul is saying is, take advantage of the time you've been given right now. It's really hard for us to take advantage of that time if it's full and we can't even do that. We can't serve people. We can't do good to other people because it's all taken up. Paul is saying, don't waste the season of life. Don't waste it. Serve people. Do good to people. Seize the moment, which is now. You know, I want to encourage you, listen, when it comes to serving your neighbor, when you go, just practical things, when you go to a, a doctor's appointment, you're sitting in the, in the, the waiting room, don't, don't pull your phone out as the first thing that you do and sit down and you're just here until they call your name. Choose to create margin and leave it in your pocket and say, God, would you just please put somebody in my path that needs to be prayed for? Would you just sit, and, will somebody come and sit next to me and I could just share the love of Jesus with them? Or as you go to lunch and you're walking down the street, God, would you put somebody in my path that I can pay for their food? Would you sit me next to somebody, ask the Lord to create that margin and that opportunity so you can serve other people? And then Paul makes this point to serve the family of believers. That's here, the church. Listen, we have ministries here at the church and and our brothers and our sisters in in Christ that we can serve and do good for right here. We have ministries with gaping holes that have, you're the perfect fit for that hole. We need you. And I want, I want to encourage everybody in here, uh, I'm, I'm putting out a challenge, level up. I want, I want us as a church to level up 
and serving with our actions those that are around us in our community. And number two, serving here in our church. We have so many needs. We have new people coming each and every week. We need people parking cars. We need, we need to be three and four and five people deep helping people get parked and into the building. Right now we have, um, it's actually over there today. They're normally over there. We have middle school students in life groups right now. We need godly couples to step up and say, you know what? I'll sacrifice 70 minutes on Sunday morning to serve some middle schoolers as they are developing their identity in Christ. How important that is. Wednesday night student ministry, man, we need you guys. Step up, let's serve. Life groups, kids ministry, on and on and on. I want to encourage you, if you're not serving, if you're just coming and consuming, I want to challenge you to level up. Level up and let's serve. Um, you have a Connect card. These are all the Connect cards that were handed to me last, uh, last service. I'm going to give you the same challenge. If you would, grab your Connect card that's in the seat back right in front of you. And if you want to say, Matt, you're absolutely right. I'm going to take the challenge. I have been sitting and not serving. I want you to pull your Connect card out. I want you to put your name down in a way to contact you, a phone number and an email or something like that. And then I want you to check this box right here that says serving. And that's you signifying that you are going to take the challenge, that you will take loving God and loving others very seriously. And how we love others is we serve others. We serve those in our community. We serve the body of Christ here. So listen, take that challenge. We need you guys. We got to have you serving here. It's really not that big of a commitment, honestly. The time is not that much. And if you look at me and you say, Matt, I would love to, my heart, my heart, in my heart, I want to, but I just can't do it. I'm too busy. Well, then I, if I can say boldly, yeah, you're absolutely right. You are too busy. If you can't slow down and just give to somebody on the street or pay for somebody's food or pray with somebody at your work, minister to somebody in your family who their marriage is crumbling you can't love somebody because you're too busy and so fat or you can't serve an extra hour or 70 minutes here on Sunday morning or Wednesday night I want to encourage you listen let's level up as Christians man let's put Jesus on display by serving people okay so if you would grab your connect card fill that out you can hand it to me down front if you'd like um, or you can turn them in at the doors as you leave. And so um, take the challenge. Watch God bless you. That's the thing about blessing is when you bless somebody, you're the one that receives it. It's crazy, God's economy, right? That feeling that you get when you serve somebody, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you give to somebody in need, that feeling you get, that's put there by God. You don't get that feeling through anything else. You don't. For some reason, we just, we just neglect to do it. There's a blessing waiting for you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So much on this. And so let's bow our heads. And pray.